Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, our weekly podcast in which the users at Wabash Station, our VIP message board at GoPowerCat, ask us the questions and we do our best to answer or we just make stuff up. That's what I do. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, joined by Zach Carlson and Ryan Gilbert as we take another tour through the minds of our users and what is on their minds. And we are sponsored by The Fridge, wholesale liquor here in Manhattan. Make sure you stop in The Fridge if you're in town over the next few weeks, this football season or any time in your lifetime, stop into The Fridge and say hello to Kevin and everyone that works there. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. When you come to town, make sure you get to Aggieville. Stop into either of those wonderful places with wonderful people. They get their liquor from the fridge. So why don't you? I've already got a dog barking in the background. (laughs) I am off to a good start. Guys, it's getting pretty exciting around here. We're officially out of our offices, uh, and that means it's time to start preparing a new home office. My Hawaii-themed like personal office that we've been kind of using is going to go by the wayside. This will come go back to being our home office, and I will actually build out a studio down in our lower level. It's going to be very exciting. And maybe, maybe someday we'll be able to do this all in person in the studio in my house. And maybe your dogs won't interrupt you anymore? They will. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they give no you-know-whats. When someone comes to the door, they want me to know it. And sometimes, almost every time I'm doing a podcast, uh, Daphne comes up to my side and starts pawing at me to give her attention, much like Zach does. It's really awkward, (laughs) and that's why we're really doing this via Zoom, because Zach paws at me. It's very uncomfortable. Guys, how's your week going? That that was a nice win by Kansas State. I I was a little worried about it coming off that Oklahoma game, and I feel like everyone's just going to be a little bit um, inconsistent all football season, all teams. Not as inconsistent as Mississippi State. How did you do that? Uh, but uh, I feel like everyone's going to struggle. And I, I like the way that Kansas State responded. And I, I like the way that Will Howard came in and still managed to quarterback them to a victory, even though things were kind of sliding against the Wildcats. Yeah, it was a good win. Uh, you know, there was a point in that second half I felt I told Fitz, Text him saying, I, f- I feel the exact opposite as I did at, at OU. You know, the momentum was going at OU. You know, everything was going K-State's way in that second half. I felt the exact inverse of that, you know, as yeah. Texas Tech was scoring, they take the lead, and I'm just like, yep, K-State's going to lose this game. But, you know, they get a couple of plays, they pull it off, and they extend the lead even. So it was a good win. A inside-the-program controversy was uncovered on my Sources podcast with Steve Standard. I had forgotten that Daniel Green's nickname is Deuce. Because oh, he's no. number two. <laughs> he's and now, 22. 
<clears throat> oh, he's 22 also. They're that's both a, 22. That's right. Because, uh, But his nickname has been Deuce. I don't know why. Maybe he's a junior. and But now everyone's calling him Daniel. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, the guy can't be Deuce anymore. That's You can't have a nickname that is someone else's name. For example, if we hired someone named Fitz McGillicuddy, and that was his real name, I'd have problems using my nickname. But I'd make him change his first name, actually. That's what. That's what I would do. We'd call him Gills. We'd call him Gills. Exactly. <laughs> We'd call him Gills. So uh, Deuce, uh, the little one, is the new one is pretty darn good, and fans are excited, and I hope he doesn't get broken. That's just my hope for the game. I just don't want him to get anyone to break him. Let's get going. Your questions from Wabash Station. Here's Gills. Not very good. First question. <laughs> that was anticlimactic, huh? <laughs> First question of the podcast from Wildcat True. Give me your most improved player on offense and defense from game one. Oh, from game one. Most improved player on offense since game one. It's hard to say because the line was out of sorts, but it's got to be one of the linemen, I would think. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Mm, I can't if it is if it is a lineman I can't pick one it's like the whole group yeah like I don't think anybody's been you know most improved they've improved consistently together part of me just wants to say Deuce Vaughn uh, every week he gets better I know it's better every week and I, I still think there's room for him to improve oh much. until until he has a bad game I think it's going to be Deuce Vaughn every week is the answer to this question. Who's most improved? It's Deuce. Deuce. He, he might Deuce. Uh, get 150 yards rushing, score three touchdowns, and rescue a kitten from a tree <laughs> at TCU. He just kind of keeps doing things. You're right. I, I think that is the answer. It's Deuce Vaughn. Because they keep putting more on his plate, and he's like, I can take it. Come on, let's go. And uh, it's pretty impressive. Defensively, um, boy, I, I mean, again, uh, they, they were missing so many guys. That, you know, you can't say Jerron McPherson or Khalid Duke or any of those guys. Um, and I don't know that if it's the interior of the line. Uh, I just think that the secondary is so much better. I mean, I, I really like the corners they're using now. I feel bad for the corners that have missed games because they may not have starting positions anymore between Gardner and I I don't know. It's that's a tough question because so many guys have come and gone. It's hard to judge from game one to three. Yeah, I think on defense, it's tough to find guys that have played all three games. You know, there's been you know a couple guys that might have played the first couple games, some guys that played the last two. You know, play, only played one game. I don't think there's anybody, uh, at least from the guys that have played all three games. There's nobody that really sticks out. You know, Wyatt Hubert, no. AJ Parker, no. You know, I mean, good. I mean, it's great that AJ Parker is stepping up and playing that nickel now. Um, you know, and it seems that there's some, you know, shiftability there. You know, to, to try getting your best guys out on the field because I think AJ Parker is one of the best to put out on that defense. But it, it's got to be one of these new guys, and it's not even improving. It's just they showed up and they played. You know, Echo Boydo, Justin Gardner, uh, T.J. Smith, man. You know, guys that, that stepped up when called upon, you know, I, th I feel like this question maybe should be asked again in a couple more weeks and saying, you know, from first appearance, who has yeah. 
you know, improved the most, I guess. But yeah, game one was just, I feel like the Arkansas State game is such an outlier. Even, you know, three games into the season, I think it's tough to to use that. And, and again, the OU game is going to be an outlier. I think it's just with so many guys that are out injured or with COVID or quarantine or isolating, you know, whatever it is, you know, I don't know if you're ever going to see a consistent look game to game. And I, I think that trying to determine who's the most improved over, you know, since game one, I think it's going to be difficult to, to figure out. I just know this. I don't want TJ Smith ever to want to tackle me. Ever. No. No. Oh, my gosh, he hits. New office linebacker? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gil, I had to make Gills block for me. Go get him, Gills. Go get him. That's me. Yep. I, I, I think A.J. Parker has actually improved a lot from game one. I mean, Adams was just tearing him up um, True. Against our, with Arkansas State. So, I'm with you. The offense, no one really sticks out. I mean, Deuce is a safe answer. I mean, if Skyler was healthy, um, as we're recording this right now, I think you could say he improved the most. But, I mean, the offense, you, it's just tough when you – like you said at best, Zach, these games are just – they're crazy. But I think on defense, I, I do think uh, A.J. Parker has really uh, made some steps forward. He had a block punt against Oklahoma. Um, you know, didn't really give up any of those big plays against Texas Tech. So, I think he's improved a lot. Yeah, but to, to make a quick argument here, the, the, the block punt is just kind of luck and special teams. So I, I don't, I don't feel I could assess him saying, yeah, he's really improved because he, you know, he got a, a fluke play. I mean, it was still a great play. You yeah. love to see it, but well, I, I just don't. I, I think for him, if you want to mark his improvement, just being able to step into a new position and play, you know, good enough, um, and allowing those new guys to shine at cornerback. You know, I think that's. No, that that says a lot to me, I guess. Yeah. Next question from Runaway Train. I saw some discussion on Twitter on whether the two quarterbacks uh, hit were dirty. I freely admit my bias, but I didn't see Dukes hit as malicious. But Texas Tech's felt like payback. Thoughts? I know a lot Not of people really. are saying that, but it didn't feel that way to me. It just feels like the way he they wanted to play. Um, they didn't feel like. It was targeting, um, even though it really does kind of fit targeting. I, I didn't think it was malicious. I mean, and in fact, he didn't injure the side that was hit. He injured his other side. It was he was hit on the left, and he injured his right because it was actually the fall that injured him, not the actual hit. Um, uh, Clee Duke. I mean, I'm not a big fan of that rule. You can't hit him up high, and now you can't hit him low. You got this tiny little area. You might as well put flags on the quarterback. You got to pull a flag. You you can't actually tackle him anymore. Just pull the flag. I, I yeah. I I mean, by the rules, it was a penalty, but I don't think he intended to injure him. He was just trying to tackle him, and uh, he got shoved down, and he was making a low play and. I'm not even sure Khalid knew that the ball was away. He just saw him standing there. He was still in a passer's pose and and went to take him down. Uh, I I don't think um, it's football, guys. It's football. Malicious to me is someone is clearly out of bounds and you hit him. Malicious to me is someone's down and you know he's down and you spear him. 
if the ball's in play and you hit someone, it might be targeting, it might be deemed dirty by the rules, but I don't necessarily think it's malicious. I don't think Eli Sullivan or TJ Smith were being malicious. I think they were just trying to hit people hard, and I think the same is true for the Texas Tech linebacker. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, you know, like Chris Kleiman said at the, you know, at the end, he was asked about it, and he's like, no, it wasn't payback. It's It's football. I mean – you're going to have hits. You're going to have injuries. I mean, you know what you're watching. You know what you signed up for. So I, I didn't really take issue to, to either of them. And then even the – even the I think Elijah's was the first one when they called that for targeting. I, I really didn't think that it was going to, you know, stand. I thought, I thought it would be called back. You look at it on the big screen and, you know, it just it, – it wasn't going to, going to be targeting. But what was interesting to me was TJ Smith's hit. I thought that that was probably closer – than Elijah's and that didn't even come from a flag that came from a booth review um you know in the end it wasn't targeting but I was I was worried about that but when I saw that I put in the game thread I'm like man (laughs) TJ Smith likes to hit I don't want to you know I don't want to be on the end of that and I think he's probably going to be K-State's first uh ejection this year that's that's no doubt he's on I mean and I think someone even said it it was like just (laughs) throw TJ Smith out there, tell him to have fun. And, you know, once it's time for him to go take a shower, you know, whatever point in the game that is, just go do it. I guess you don't have to go to the locker room anymore, but you can stand on the sideline, but that's a good question. Would you stand on the sideline or would you, I like the guys that go say, you know what, I'm going to go shower and I'm going to come back out and be in my street clothes because when this game's over, it's party time for me. I am already done. (laughs) I'll get on the plane and go home and, Go get after it. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even come back out. I, I don't know. I would either. Especially I'd just if it's stay on TV. inside, watch it on TV, and we got a jacuzzi with the TV. I think I'll be have in all here. Your stuff packed. Uh, yeah. Or just try going up to a suite. Yeah, you know, just, just hang out. Into the, yeah. I feel like don't like baseball managers sometimes do that. Or I know it happens in soccer sometimes. They'll send them to the stands. You'll just, you'll just watch in the stands or in a suite. You know, mm. you just hang out. I think they should do that. For the I guys. think I think when the South End Zone project is done, uh, if I got ejected, you'd find me in the Shamrock Zone bar. I'd be up there. Yeah, that call against that quarterback sure stunk. He got ejected, and, but it's me. I don't know why Man, Skyler sounds that way. <laughs> if Wyatt Hubert ever got ejected, I could totally see him just going and sitting in the student section. I could too. Take his shirt off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It turns out his shirt's his his uh chest has already been painted. He was ready for it. Yeah, he's already got a letter K on it. Yeah. Like he's gonna go replace that guy. <laughs> From StatCat, historically we have these terms redshirt freshmen for players who still have four years of eligibility but are in their second year in college, true freshman who is in his first year of eligibility in, in school and has a redshirt available. Next year, we will need to create a new term for people in their second year who have four years of eligibility remaining and can still redshirt. I propose COVID freshmen. What say you? Uh, I don't know. It's a good one. It is. You're going to have to come up with something to explain this. I mean, uh, you're going to have – I mean, it's really not, not the true freshmen that – have a different term i guess maybe so i mean if they play all next year they're a freshman then they'll be a sophomore i mean they're no different than a redshirt freshman at that point it'll be the redshirt freshman from this season that if they play again next season as a redshirt freshman they'll be the a third year freshman 
I don't know. Can't we just come up with a color? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like you need another color shirt. You've got red shirt. You have gray shirt. Now there's a blue shirt. There's blue shirts, which I don't really understand. Um, and then there's, I mean, you still got orange, yellow. I say we green. go with green. I like green for it because uh, uh, I don't know. I have no. I don't know why. <laughs> I, we have we have no real say here. Or they should just do it the NFL. Just everybody who's in their first year is a rookie with an R. And then you just put number of years of experience that you have next to them, and that's the, that's the system from now on. And then, you know, Justin Hughes and Elijah Sullivan will have a big old seven next to their name or whatever it is. My God. They're going to be getting PhDs, playing linebacker, gray hair coming out, their helmets. It's going to be awesome. Just awesome. Teammates getting them walkers oh, yeah. for their birthdays probably. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. From Purple Beef Eater, would we be seeing as many true freshmen play if this year counted towards eligibility? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so. they, they would still get the four seasons, not the singing group, but the the four games. I mean. Yeah, four games. Um, uh, so, yeah, they'd, they'd get to play. I mean, true freshmen played last year and came back as – as freshmen this year. So that, that opportunity is there, but they get all the other games that are free. You know, Deuce could have gotten four games in and then shut it down, but now he might get 10 games in plus a bowl game if everything goes well uh, and get in a full season and still come back as a freshman. So that's kind of nice. I think if, if this would have been a normal season, I, I think that Deuce probably would have played just as much or close to, I think his red shirt probably would have been burned this year he probably would have played in more than four games and i i think that some of it is you know snyder his last few years he kind of mailed it in as far as recruiting goes there were going to be a lot of younger guys playing earlier than what you may have liked so i think that you know without covid i still think you would see a number of guys playing um you know whether they were freshmen true freshmen or not or you know you're going to see a lot of young guys this year and I think, you know, you would have seen a lot of, of true freshmen actually have to play. Um, so. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Deuce was going to play. Yeah. So, I mean, the upside of the pandemic is you're going to get to play him and get him back as a freshman. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is great for a program in K-State's position in which they need to rely on a lot of young players to supplement their depth. Because next year, those players will still be the same age and have experience. So it's yeah. it's a real advantage right now. It really works to K State's benefit. And I know people get upset when we talk about Coach Snyder's recruiting, folks. It wasn't very good the last few years. He got some players. There's no doubt about it. There's some good players on the team, but we're talking about the kind of depth you need to support a program, and it just wasn't there. The quality wasn't there. He had so many players. If you go back and look at recruiting classes, almost always twenty percent of the class would be who was that guy. I mean, he just never, they never appeared. They never made it. They were in and out, uh, and there wasn't the kind of depth. And this now has afforded Chris Kleiman an incredible opportunity, you know, just a tragic year and everything going on to build that kind of depth you need for the program going forward. It, it could be really a big advantage for Kansas State. I mean, let's pretend like this pandemic happened two years ago, 2018, and you have to put a whole bunch of defensive starters out. You don't have guys like Justin Gardner or TJ Smith, or Deuce Vaughn to put in. You don't have those guys. 
So, well, and, and since you didn't have those guys then, you know, their senior counterparts now or whoever would have, you know, they would be playing now if they were you know, there to replace, you know, whoever the starters were. So the fact that you're having to use the freshmen now, um, you know, I think it says a lot. You, you can just go back to 2012 when they had an injury in their secondary and they go from Ty Zimmerman to a true, our redshirt freshman and Dante Barnett who wasn't ready to play. That's how thin the depth has been for a long time in the program. They were always one injury away from really having a dramatic drop-off in experience and ability, and that's what happened in 12. They lost to Baylor. They came back and did win the next game, but um, they're dealing right now at K-State. They're playing guys that weren't on the depth chart at cornerback. They're playing them. They, they started the second game of the season. They had three deep at corner, and I can tell you right now, as God is my witness, Bill Snyder never had a had a three-man depth chart at a cornerback spot where he would put them into action and they'd be able to perform. It just that's not how he did it. It's not it. That's a, that wasn't it. They didn't recruit that kind of depth unfortunately and and it did kind of haunt the program at times and I'm glad to see it's being corrected and it's going to take another couple years to fully correct it. Next question from Itame BB is coach Kleiman playing true freshmen to play the best players available or is it a part of recruiting tactics? I think he's I playing think the best players, but it also recruiting. I don't think it's tactics. I mean, it, I think it's a side effect of right. playing, you know, you got it, you know, he's playing the best players available. They just have to be freshmen. And I wouldn't say it's because of recruiting, but it certainly helps it. Like, Hey, you could play early here, but like we talked about in the last question, this is a side effect of bad recruiting from three, four years ago. You know, there's, I mean, the problems we're seeing on the offensive line. You know, there's a, there's a ton of problems still on the step chart that Kleiman's going to have to work out. And the fact of the matter is, these freshmen are better than what they came in and had to replace. And, and it wasn't really going to be a lot to take that, you know, considering Deuce. And now, as you've seen, is some of the defensive secondary step up. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, he's playing them as the best players, but it'll certainly help recruiting. Next question from WTDD2001. What does Chris Kleiman's extension mean for the future of K-State football? I don't know. I mean, everyone wants him to stay, but if a coach wants to leave, if someone wants to pay his $5 million buyout and he wants to leave, he'll leave. Um, And it doesn't matter how much you pay him. If the right job comes along, he'll leave. That's just the way the industry works. I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it really means a damn thing other than he's going to make a lot more money and be able to sell the fact on recruiting that, hey, I'm setting up shop here for a long haul. I'm not going anywhere. But does that mean anything? I mean, I don't know what the right program is, but if someone comes along and throws money at him and says, hey, you could take over Michigan. I mean, he's going to go, guys. He just is. I, I don't. The, what Bill Snyder did was so rare. I mean, he had opportunities to leave and he didn't. And he kind of understood that what he was doing may not be able to be replicated at a UCLA. But I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of giving coaches new contracts after one year. Period. You did your job. Good job. Good job. You did it better than we thought you would. 
Uh, we thought you'd be average and you were above average. I mean, that, I don't understand it. I'd, I've never understood it about the industry. And maybe it'd make me a bad AD to go in and say, hey, coach, did a really good job this year. But, but your agent called about getting a contract extension. I just signed you to a five-year contract to do the job that you're doing. And I appreciate you doing it well. Maybe we get a couple years down the road. We'll look at that. But now, no, we signed you for we signed you up to win. We didn't we didn't sign you to a contract thing you were going to lose. Uh, I mean, I don't know, guys. It just kind of bothers me. But I'm happy for Chris Kleiman. He's a good dude, and I hope he stays at Kansas State for a long time. He's a nice fit. But the business of college athletics, this is why they're broke. Right here. Yeah. This is it. You did your job. Here's a couple extra million dollars. Really? Okay. Great, great business model. I mean, the problem is though, you you have to defend against those schools that are going to come and poach your coach. You don't want that rhyme. That was impressive. I didn't even didn't even try that. Good. I'm kind of shook by that. Um, <laughs> uh, you you got to defend against these other other schools. And if if you go out and you go eight and five in your first year, and you were an F, I mean, he earned you know, coming to bit coming to play or coach in the big 12 at K state after what he did in the FCS, you know, winning four national championships. Then he comes to FCS. He plays well in his first year. It's clear that K state's going to be good a couple of years from now. They're going to be good. So I think you have to, you know, you got to defend against, you know, the other schools. Cause you know, you gotta, you gotta, essentially what you gotta do is name your price as to what it'll take for you to be happy if he leaves, you know, and I didn't read what the buyout was, but if it's 5 million, that's what, you know, that's what K-State values him at as, Hey, this is how much it'll, it'll cost for you to leave or somebody to pay us to, to take you. So, you know, I, I see, yeah, I understand your side of the argument fits, but you know, from the business side, if you're, I mean, if you're a K-State fan and you want, and you like Chris Kleiman now and you want him to stay, I mean, you'd be glad you don't want him to be, you know, the new Matt Campbell of December, you know, where Matt Campbell's name gets thrown around for whatever big job is open that year. And, you know, they, they extended Matt Campbell at Iowa state, you know, he's definitely less affordable for a lot of these places. You know, I think that this defends against Chris Kleiman becoming the affordable Matt Campbell replacement that goes in all the hot lists, you know, come December. Well, I mean, Matt Campbell's on his way to the Hall of Fame, so I don't know who will ever be able to afford him. It's, in fact, they might just rename the College Football Hall of Fame the Matt Campbell College Football Hall of Fame. Okay, let's move on. I'm done with taking shots at Matt Campbell. I think it's interesting. Real quick, though, me and my roommate were actually talking about this the other day. You know, how good do you want Chris Kleiman to be? Because, you know, if he, I think we can all agree last year he, he exceeded expectations and that team maybe played a little better than they were, especially in some of those games. But, you know, if he wins eight or nine games and, you know, this year, next year, he might be gone. Um, you look at Matt Rule with Baylor last year and the year before, they weren't that good. I know Riley Gates can argue um, about that with me, but I don't think they were that good. And now Matt Rule is, he, you know, he had a lot more potential that wasn't, you know, met at Baylor. And I think if, if they kept him, if he stays there, Baylor's just going to keep getting better and better. Um, you don't want that to happen with climate. If that makes sense, you don't want him to do too good in his first couple of years. And then he's just gone. You want him to, you know, my roommate was saying, Hey, I don't want K K state to make the big 12 championship game. I want them to gradually get better. 
so that, that climbing <laughs> won't leave. So I, I understand what both of you guys are saying, but I, if you're a recruit, it's, it's probably a good feeling to say that, yeah, he's probably not going to go anywhere at least anytime soon. So I can, I can see both sides to this, but overall to answer, to answer that question, I'm, I'm happy with, with the extension. Well, Gills, you've done a pretty good job for me here in the first year. I, I like what you've done. I'm, I'm kind of afraid I'm going to lose you to someone else. So <laughs> I'm going to bump you from $12 an hour to $1.7 million a year. And just, I think, I think that'll probably keep you in the fold. Do you need, you want more? Wow. You think more? Oh, 2.4. I'll give you 2.4. <laughs> That's why I brought this up. Oh. I was trying to get a raise. I think it worked. Okay. Well, I, I guess. To close, to close on my thought here is if you're, you know, if you're Gene Taylor, you know, any AD in the country, you know, you want to be the one that goes to your coach first. You know, you don't want come at the end of the season, the agent coming up to you saying, Hey, this is the offer you're going to match or, you know, we're gone, you know, and by that point you, you've got one foot out the door. So, you know, if you can keep your coach happy to where they're not looking around or if you know what their market value is. You know, I think that's good for the program. Okay, guys, 21 months ago, 22 months ago, Chris Kleiman was in Fargo making $300,000 a year. His contract, when it starts maturing here, he'll be about at $4.2 million a year. I don't know. I think the numbers are just, they're whack. There's well, just, I think it doesn't work as a business model. And yeah. and I understand everything you say, Zach, and I understand why athletic directors do it, and I understand all that. But I'm telling you right here and now, eventually it's going to break their backs and, and college athletics is going to collapse. That's one of the things we're learning from the pandemic, how financially fragile they are. And maybe we all are, but uh, I'm not throwing around millions of dollars and um, – it just astonishes me, these numbers, and how different it is from being a really good coach at the FCS level to being a really coach, really good coach at the FBS level. It's worth a 1,000% raise. It's crazy. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a bubble that's going to be – that's going to burst at some point, and I don't know when it will happen, but, yeah, you'll see there will be a big – you know, there will be Power 5 athletic departments, you know, at some point saying, hey – you know, we lost our guy, but we're not going to try replacing that salary. You know, we're going to go find a, a good, solid option and just kind of ride it out. And maybe it's, you know, going after somebody like Kleiman who's making 300000 saying, hey, we'll pay you a million. And you can make a million dollars every year until somebody decides to pay you more. You know, uh, you know, I think that could be the future for the for athletic departments. And I think you're right about that, Fitz. Last question of the first half from Itain Bibi. Now that Chris Kleiman is extended, who are the assistant coaches we cannot afford to lose? Mm. Um, I just don't – I think you don't want disruption at all. I mean, I could point – I don't want to say that uh, Jason Ray leaves is no big deal. I mean, that's not fair to him or anyone else. Uh, you know, I think right now he's got coordinators and, a, and an associate head coach in Van Malone – that he's on the same page with. Connor Riley probably would jump out at me. You probably want to get that consistency in that offensive line play. But, um, I, you know, I, you just want stability in your coordinators and your kind of upper-tier leadership. But I, I would say Connor Riley is the one that kind of jumps out at me as someone that a big program might come after. 
They might throw the kind of money Scotty Hazelton made at him uh, to be their offensive line coach, and that's where you can't really pay and compete. I'd probably agree with you, Fitz, that Connor Riley's probably the one that would be most likely to leave. I'd say probably Van Malone too. I'd say you'd want to keep both of them, but from from uh, from Riley being poached, I just you know what he's done on the offensive line so far hasn't been amazing. I mean, a lot of it's just youth and inexperience. Um, you know, I feel like in order for Connor Riley to be poached, it's going to take his offensive line playing a lot better. I just I don't think that his guys are playing well enough to right to earn him a new job. So maybe by season's I, I'm not I'm not really worried about anybody. And even if they do lose somebody, I don't feel I don't know. I don't feel like we're missing anything. You know, maybe if Colin Klein leaves just because he's the one, you know, lone holdover from, you know, the, the old staff and, you know, he's a legend in his own right, you know, it'd probably sting a little bit to see him go somewhere else. But, you know, if he goes somewhere else and he's, you know, an offensive coordinator and, you know, it's time, you know, somebody decides that Chris Kleiman's worth $5 million, you know, maybe he's the next guy. So, you know, there's always, you know, you can, you can kind of look at it other ways to, I don't know, to see, you know, who you lose and, and what their value is. But there's I don't want to say anybody's not valuable on this coaching staff, but there's not one piece that I'm overly attached to that I feel makes this program better than what a replacement could make it. I would hope Van Malone is is gonna stay for a while. Um unless he gets a head coaching job, which I would love to see. I don't know where, but I would love to see it. I mean, he'd, he'd electrify a fan base and probably jumpstart yeah. recruiting. People would just love him. So, okay, that's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. And that was a long first half. But I had to go back and cut out dog wrestling. We had some serious dog wrestling going on in the studio. Um, they refused to stay out of the studio because they're bad dogs. Speaking of bad dogs, we'll be back. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
we now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. And thank you so much to our segment sponsors, Tanners and the Hilo. Make sure you're heading to Aggieville and checking them out every time you're in town. I think you will enjoy both places tremendously. And make sure when you go to the Hilo, you get pepperoni bricks. They are good for at least uh, five pounds of added weight. I feel like you're eating butter, bread, and meat the way it was meant to be eaten, Zach. Just delicious. But it's not healthy at all. But do it. And when you go to Tanner's, uh, there's so many things you should be getting. My favorite is the KC Burger. It's a burger with an onion ring and pulled pork on it. Basically, uh, it's horrible for you, too. So both of my food recommendations uh, could cause a heart attack. So uh, there's a Surgeon General warning on the on the show that don't listen to the advice of Fitz. Well, there's also a new restaurant, not a sponsor, but they were in an old sponsor of ours. Nico's is now open. It is Phil's open. posted that the other day on, on Wabash. Can't wait to go down there. I'm excited. Some little Martinelli's action. Nico's so, yeah, little so- Italy. And Nico, I learned, is Nicole. It's a yeah. female owner. Nico. I yeah. love it. I love it. Speaking I'm of things excited. I love, it's your questions from Wabash Station from a guy that I sort of like, Gills. You sure about that? Yeah. yeah. First question of the second half from TDE67. What is more likely against TCU? We block a punt or get a touchdown return on special teams? Well, they do kind of go together. I mean, you you scare the punter and he just starts getting rid of the ball and kicking it right down the middle of the field to your return man on a play that you're setting up a return. It can lead to uh, a return. I will be absolutely astonished if Gary Patterson lets Kansas State block a punt. I think he's going to do everything possible to prevent that from happening. And maybe K-State will just surrender the battle and say, you know what, we're going to make you think we're coming and then just continue to return punts because uh, the return game is a sleeping giant. It would help to get Joshua Youngblood back on kickoffs, but uh, who knows what's going on with him. Yeah, I think you know, at this point I'd say a punt block's more likely. You know, they're three for three. Why not go four for four? The return game has been pretty lackluster this year. Uh, there's no not much confidence there. I'm much more confident that they'll block a punt. So, you know, they, they're they on a streak of three. I feel like there might be a little bit of pride on those first couple of punts. And, if you know, if they're inside, you know, if TCU's inside their own 20-yard line, you know, why not send everybody? So, and they've been quick too. I don't know if it's just been the punters have been slow uh, or what, but man, K-State's been quick to get back there. And, you know, by the time they're blocking the punt, it almost feels like everything's just in slow motion. You know, the punter's just, the punter should have gotten it off by that point. So yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's sa- my call. Saturday, Seth Porter got around that, that blocking. I don't know what that guy was doing, but he kind of ducked wedge. around him. Yeah. The wedge guy. And, and it was like, he just kind of was there, had to wait for the punt. I mean, it was, it was kind of, it was really impressive. It was like, are you going to punt yeah. it? Because I'm going to block it. As soon as you get ready to punt, let me know, and I'm going to block it. Well, it's it's impressive. It's just amazing what K-State special teams has become. Because this is the – I'm going to say it this way. It's the fourth coach that this happened with. 1.0 started it. Prince picked it up. 2.0 continued it. And now Kleiman's picked it up. It's just incredible how dominant 
K-State special teams have become through the years. Do you think that Snyder's played a role in that? He's built up all these great special teams guys that he gives them to these new coaches and they're there for, you know, three or less years so far. And it's just, well, we got, we got these guys. They've been trained to do this. I guess we got to use them. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, Sean was there under Prince, so that helped. And Sean was there, of course, during 2.0. But Sean wasn't really the special teams coach 1.0. I mean, he helped out with kickers and stuff behind the scenes. But, I mean, they had other guys that were in charge of return games. So I, it's just very impressive. But it, but he inherited – this is one of the things that – a positive thing to say. He inherited guys from Coach Snyder who appreciated the importance of special teams who knew that's a place in the game that they could get an angle on and make games uh, tilt to their favor. They understood the purpose of it, and they were invested in it, and that has carried over to this staff. I know somebody asked the question, and I don't have an answer for it, about which coach is in charge of the pump blocks, but I do know we, Kleiman did reveal today that the fake field goal, that's all uh, Connor Riley on that, which I thought was interesting that – that your offensive line coach is the guy that's running special teams plays like fake field goals. Just kind of surprising to me, I guess. I I would guess that would be, you know, typically a team just divvies up different special teams units to different coaches. And I guess since field goal placement kicking is mostly protection, I can see why an offensive line coach would be in charge. I know that in the past, like in Snyder 2.0, the, the kickoff return team, it was Dana Dimmel in charge of protection, you know, the blocking schemes, and then Andre Coleman with the returners. And then on game days, Sean would decide left, right, middle, whatever their play they were going to run, and then he got all the credit. But um, uh, Probably yeah. guess, I don't know, Buddy or Klanerman? I mean, like punk coverage is probably defensive coaches. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking punt block here is what I was thinking. Yeah, punt block Just, is – Somebody, you know, somebody that's going to rush and get pressure. I can see that. I don't know. That being Van Malone for some reason. That's just my guess. Because, I mean, usually it's the corners or little guys coming off that corner to actually make the pump. I guess that's true. That's fair. From claws out, balls out. I didn't think Skyler would return uh, next year. But with a prolonged injury, do you think that will change that? I, I honestly don't know. And, you know, I asked uh, both Bradley Moore and Noah Johnson today about the fifth year or the sixth year, whatever it is, the extra year you can have as a senior. Both of them said they haven't even thought about it, although Noah kind of sounded like he thought about it a little bit. And Noah's, <laughs> Noah's like, I'm going to be back. I just don't want to say it. Um, I don't think Skyler was going to come back. But now if, you know, if he loses the rest of the year, I'm not sure why he wouldn't. But if Will Howard plays quarterback for seven more games plus a bowl game, uh, it's going to get a little interesting whether or not he would be considered the starter coming back. So um, I don't know. I It'd be a tough choice. You know, everyone assumes that guys will want to come back. You know what? I was done with college by my fifth year. You know, I did four and a half years. I mailed that last semester, and I was just done. And I was still having fun and still loving hanging out, but – I had to get out of college, and I think some football players are going to feel the exact same way. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know. I, I don't know what, what Skyler's thinking, but, you know, if he's injured and if Will Howard comes out and plays the rest of the, you know, seven more games plus a bowl game, and let's say they play well, you know, it, mm-hmm. 
it's not unreasonable that Will Howard doesn't come in and just can win some games. I mean, he'll have some losses this year. I'm, I'm certain of it, but who knows? I mean, they already got, they knocked out two games. They knocked out Oklahoma. They essentially have a three game lead on OU at this point. You know, it's, you know, you already knocked out one of your, your biggest contenders for the championship. You're sitting pretty good. Yeah. You got a true freshman quarterback, but I mean, if he plays well, you know, he will's going to have all the confidence in the world, even if he has to compete for the job next year, if Skyler comes back. So, Ooh, I don't know. And, and maybe this is, and we'll get into it in a, in a future, in the next question, I think here, but you know, this might be, it could be time for Skylar to either, you know, maybe transition to being a GA or being a, a coach. I think a lot of it depends on if Howard is the starter for the rest of the season, how he does, you know, if he does a, a pretty good job, then I think Skylar's probably gone. If he struggles, then I think Skylar's going to be coming back. Obviously, we, we don't know what's going to happen, but I want to ask you guys real quick, why wouldn't anyone on Twitter or the Wabash Station discussion boards calling for Nick Goss to come into this game? Because, uh, you know, I, you guys can probably tell me I'm wrong, but I didn't see much out of Will Howard. And before that, you know, touchdown that they got there, I, I thought he was struggling, and I was a little confused why no one was calling for Ost. I really don't get it. I think, you guys know? I think people would just want to see the freshman. Yeah. You know, let's just see what he's got. I mean, this is such a – it's not a normal year. I think people were like, okay, let's play the freshmen, see what's going on. Uh, I imagine Nick Ost's parents were wondering why he wasn't getting a chance. <laughs> I think we will see Nick Ost on Saturday um, at some point because here's why. TCU – first of all, I'll even just put it out there. I don't think Skyler's playing. I think this is all gamesmanship from Coach Kleiman. Very Snyder-esque. I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to practice this week. And he just said he might be back at practice tomorrow. And I wanted to, you know, we're on the Zoom teleconference. I wanted to go, <laughs> and I uh, didn't think that was appropriate, so I didn't do it. Um, but uh, they're going to come after Will Howard. They're going to throw a bunch of uh, things to try to confuse the freshman at him, and he's going to get hit. Not dirty, not malicious, playing the game of football. Will Howard's going to get hit harder than he's ever been hit in the course of a game before. So I think we will see Nick Oz some down in, in uh, Fort Worth. And I think Nick's a good quarterback. I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I just think the upside is all with Will Howard. It's all the future investment. He is a true freshman. You want to find out if he's got whatever it is because you got another good freshman coming in next year. So you're going to use this season to kind of sort things out. Yeah, and kind of like what I said earlier, in the, you know, I think before the season started, there was a question, you know, if Skyler goes down, who are you taking? Are you taking Will or are you taking Nick? And I said Nick because he has, you know, he's he really hasn't had to play a ton, you know, and he really hasn't had that much experience. But, you know, he was, you know, the scout team player of the year, I think, a couple of years ago. I mean, he he's earned his keep as being, you know, lower on the depth chart over the last couple of years and, you know, just being in the system and, and learning it and being able to be there, um, especially longer than Will Howard. I mean, Will Howard didn't even have a spring to, to play with. So, you know, that, that's kind of what my eyes were with Nick. Um, but you know, like this season is just so crazy. Once they went with Will against Arkansas state, I was like, all right, well, it's not Nick. So, you know, you might as well get behind Will. Um, I was a bit surprised to see it, but you know, it makes sense. And at this point, there's no downside to playing Will Howard. 
I'm not going to be surprised if Jaron Lewis doesn't see some action. I mean, maybe they set him up in some, you know, specific plays to use him. I, if Skyler's not ready to go, I think they're going to get creative and have some fun at quarterback. From Powercat Ryan, if Skyler's season is over, is he more valuable coming back to play next season or starting his GA career and putting him on the same track as Nathan Shieldhouse so we can really put a broader a, a border around Casey? Yeah, Nathan Shieldhouse or Haas, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. He was a quarterback at Illinois for four seasons uh, in the early, like from 2010 to 2013. He's now the wide receivers coach at Iowa State. And he's, I think he played at Rockhurst in KC. So I think that might be his, uh, you know, recruiting area. Or it's, it's an area that, at the very least, he's very familiar with. Um, but I, I can't know, I, answer this question. This is too hypothetical. We've got too much season to play. Uh, I don't know if, if Skyler is going to return or not. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if Will Howard's going to be good or if he'll have a couple good games and everyone will figure him out. There's just too many moving pieces here. I hope Skyler goes into coaching. I suspect he will, and I, I think he will make a good coach for someone. Um, but I, I don't know. I, but I do agree it would be nice to have someone from the Kansas City area recruiting Kansas City. I would – personally, I would say that, you know, answering the question, I guess, if he is done for the season, is he more valuable as a player or a coach next year? I'd say he's more valuable as a coach. You're going to have Jake Frubley. You're going to have Will Howard, two young guys that, you know, one of them is going to be the guy you'd hope, I guess, that, you know, one of them is going to be the best and, and they're going to come out. Um, you know, you got Colin Klein there, K-State quarterback, legend. And then having Skylar Thompson, who's, you know, he might see some of the Jake Waters effect where you don't really remember him as a great quarterback, but Skylar's pretty good. He's been pretty good. And... You know, having two, you know, K-State quarterbacks in that, that coaching room and that quarterback's room, helping two young guys that are, are really good, you know, prospects. They were, you know, well-rated coming out of high school. Um, they're going to be good players. So I think as far as, you know, a value, I think for K-State, I think it's more important to take care of 2023, 2024, 2025 you know, at your quarterback position than trying to have a good 2021 with a guy that's, you know, been around for a while. And I think now is the time that you need to build, you know, the season's a crapshoot. Like we will say, we've said it today. We've said it in the past. We'll say it a thousand more times in the future. This season doesn't mean a ton. And if you can get a, a young guy experience where it, you know, there isn't really a lot of pressure, I think you got to do it. So that, that's kind of my my view that's is well that put. I think I think Skyler is going to be more valuable next year as a coach if if he if he determines you know or as a as a GA depending on on what his decision would be. Next question from Texas Cat ninety three, Max Duggan looks good but not great. He's young and prone to mistakes. Can our depleted defense cause enough havoc this Saturday to make it a tough day for TCU? He had a day with K State last year. Wasn't it Max Duggan that looked like looked like El Roberson for most of the game? He's running everywhere. He was like running in slow motion, yeah. but he was yeah. nobody could catch him. It was it was weird. It's like he's uncorking a six point oh forty time, and nobody can catch him. Um, yeah, I agree. Saturday, I agree. It's Saturday part of mistakes. Is, 
Sorry. Was Saturday his first game? Back, was that yeah. his first game against Texas? Yeah. yeah. So, so he played the game before against Iowa State in the second half. Oh, he did. Quite oh, honestly, okay. yeah. He They would have won that game easily if he played the whole game. Mm-hmm. So, so there's there's my answer. <laughs> that says anything right there, but. Yeah. I, I like him. I think he's good. Um, yeah. But I think he's like uh, all Big 12 quarterbacks right now. There's nobody that's consistently good, and there's certainly nobody worthy of even putting on a list of 10 to 20 Heisman contenders. No. Is this no. Is it the conference this year at quarterback just isn't as good. It's kind of a trans, transition year. Uh, but if anyone's capable of developing a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate at quarterback, it's Matt Campbell because he is the greatest college coach <laughs> to ever coach the game. He's incredible. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, and his quarterback is awful, Purdy. Oh, there's God. the pun. Get there's out of here. Pun. Uh, yeah, I don't really know if if youth is going to be a problem for. Is it Duggan or Dugan? I, Duggan. I I always look at it and it doesn't look like Duggan to me. It's like <laughs> Dugan. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit, but you know, just seeing how enthusiastic K-State's defensive has played even, you know, and with a lot of absences, you know, if TJ Smith is on the field on Saturday, which he will be, and he can get to the quarterback on some sort of play, I, maybe you can make him make some dis- mistakes, but you know, I, I don't know if, if the defense is going to be, you know, good enough to force him some mistakes. I, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I I like him, but I I'm not, you know, quaking in fear of him either. Yeah, he's he could have a good game, he could have a bad game. It's just it's kind of what it is right now in the Big 12. Yeah, for those who don't know, he was they diagnosed him with some sort of heart condition um that he's had his whole life and they didn't think he was going to play at all this season. And then a couple weeks back he was cleared to go and then that Iowa State game in the first half the backup was in. He didn't look good. You know, it was kind of a disaster. And then Duggan came in and really gave them – he looked great, gave them a lot of energy. And if I think if he played the whole game, they win that game against Iowa State, no doubt about it. So, obviously, last week they go out and beat Texas on the road as double-digit underdogs. And, I, you know, I think he's just growing week by week because he didn't have much, you know, off-season reps or anything like that with or without the whole COVID thing because he was um, – he wasn't going to be healthy. So – I think the more he plays, the more better he gets. And he is someone who scares me. Um, you know, TCU last year, I remember, had 100 more yards, total yards than us. And, you know, K-State somehow won that game. But I, I think it'll be a, a tough day for the defense. Gary Patterson's got a good mind. And I, I'm honestly scared of Duggan. Um, he's not He's not elite. He's nothing like, you know, an Oklahoma-type quarterback. But he definitely can uh, can use it, can, can beat you on his, his feet and through the air. That was our own Ryan Gilbert, host of the 10 of 12 podcast. For all of your top talk about the Big 12 Conference, listen to Ryan Gilbert. Back to you, Gills. <laughs> Next question from Powercat Ryan. How much more of the playbook is realistically available to Will Howard on Saturday after taking the bulk of the number one snaps all week? Uh, Coach Kleiman said nothing's off limits. Like, come on. I mean, yeah. there's no way he knows everything that Skyler does. And if he does... Maybe your playbook's too easy. Uh, but I think they'll have him uh, deep enough into the playbook that he won't be handcuffed 
You know, he won't know every uh, play that they have back in there. But I also think he's a smart enough kid that's been around it. They can map stuff up on the sideline and say, this is what we're going to do. And he probably could do a good job of of running it. He just feels like a quarterback to me, guys. You know, just got that whatever a quarterback has, there's that it factor with him. And I, and I just like what I see from him a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the whole playbook is going to be truly available for him, but I think you're going to see – you know, if they need to dig out some plays, you know, if it's, I don't know, fourth quarter and K-State's down 10 and they just need something to work, you might see a little bit of more, a little bit more creativity trying to make something happen. But, you know, if I think what you'll see is you'll see some, you know, pretty basic stuff to start the game. If it works and it's working, you know, they'll probably stick with it and, if they're, you know, they need to make plays, you might see them go a little bit deeper in it. And, you know, if, if nothing's really working for them, I could totally see them just going to, to Nick Ost at that point. You know, I think, I don't think you're going to hit a point where Will Howard is, you know, page 50 of the playbook before you see Nick Ost in there. That's just kind of my opinion on it. I was, I thought they were maybe one drive away from seeing Nick Ost if, uh, if Howard didn't turn it around, I know he didn't play terrible, but I'm with you, Zach. I, you know, he's if he if he truly does know the whole playbook, I mean, why didn't we see that on Saturday? There was no, I don't know if there was one throw that wasn't just a basic, you know, throw ten yards down I, at most. So I sense that they just got cautious. The coaches did. They thought we're going to win this. The defense is doing well. We're going to we got this. Uh, and they pulled in their horns with calling plays, and they threw the whole game out of rhythm. And, you know, Coach Kleiman talked about it on Tuesday, about how how they had him in two third-down situations, and they threw the ball. First one's to Sebastian Taylor, and then the second one to Deuce Vaughn that he broke. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't do that earlier in the game. You You clearly were just handing it off to Harry Trotter, trying not to turn it over. Um and and I think that's something coaches do. I understand you're trying to be cautious, but you also get so cautious you create the very thing you were fearing, which is defeat. Um, and uh, I'm glad they let him play. I'm glad that he, you know, he had that check at the line of scrimmage and had the success throwing the ball to Deuce. It was you know an easy pass, but probably not in the moment to hit him right in stride like that and break loose. So it, uh, I'm encouraged. We'll just see what happens. I don't know. From Herdez Joe, why is no one talking about K-State being plus seven in takeaways and in the top five in the nation in that category? I, I think that's a great question. I mean, because we didn't ask him about it today on uh, the teleconference. I didn't even think of it, to be honest. And I don't know. I, I think that's something that's underappreciated about Skyler is he was protecting the ball very well for this team. He wasn't turning it over like a lot of quarterbacks do. The, the downside of that is sometimes you get a ca- quarterback that gets too cautious and won't make any kind of uh, throw with a degree of risk. Um, but uh, it is really helping K-State. You're winning special teams and winning turnover battles. You're going to win a lot of games. And that's really the formula we're seeing with K-State. And that's the same formula that Bill Snyder used. Next question from Email Wildcat 82 Do we still need six wins to be bull eligible? Who would you like to see us play from the SEC, Pac-12, or Big Ten? No, there's no requirements this year. They removed them. Seriously, that's official. 
Yeah, that's right. I think so. Yeah, they've removed them. I mean, they were playing less games, so it's really not six wins. It's half your games is what it always was. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think they've removed them all and thrown it all open. KU might have a bowl season. Mm-hmm. KU might go zero and ten, and I hope they go to that. Uh, what is it now? The Cactus Bowl. It's just the Cactus Bowl. Yeah, I hope they I go there. It's, just... it's a good pairing. They can have them. I'd love to see the bowl conference affiliations go out the window this year and have, it's not called the Belk bowl anymore. It's now the Duke's Mayo bowl. I love how, I love how it's even worse of a name, but I think the same Twitter staff are still memeing it away. Um, I'd love them just to like pick like two, just like complete trash teams and just meme the crap out of it for the internet. I love it. College football Reddit for all of us to see. That's what I would love to see. Just KU and Boston College or whoever they haven't beat or lost to. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I'd like to see – I don't know. I'd like to see K- a K-State play a team they haven't played, at least recently. You know, somebody Power 5, maybe someone from the ACC as well. But, you know, it doesn't really matter where they play the game. You know, if there's not many fans or – you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw just, you know, schools go out on their own and say, hey, you want to play a bonus game this year and we'll go play it in, yeah. you know, I don't know, Safeco Field in Seattle. I'm just trying to think of indoor places that, you know, may not have a bowl game, you know, just random places that you can just rent out, play a bowl game, have, you know, no fans or, you know, 25% be fans, you know, it just – the bowl game structure doesn't really matter, I guess. I'm sure they'll still use it because there'll still be money, but who knows how much these bowl games are going to be able to pay out no doubt. in the end as well right now. They're not so, be able to sell their tickets. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the, the financials for bowl games just don't really mathematically work unless you're going to try making it a made-for-TV thing, which is kind of why I proposed the, you know, just call up a school, go I don't know. Go play in the Fargo Dome for all we care. <laughs> He's read you know? my like, mind. The like, frozen <laughs> Buffalo game in Fargo. I love it. Just like to... Minnesota versus, you know, K-State in the Fargo Dome. But why not just play it in Minneapolis at that point and play a road game, you know? <laughs> why not? Yeah, it'll be intriguing. No, but... if, if they do remove it, um, I, w- I wish they didn't do that. I wish – I don't know. But some teams are going to have seven games. Some teams will have ten games, so I understand. I don't know. It's just going to be screwy. Because nobody will go. I mean, fans won't be able to go, probably. And even the media, it's usually a week-long thing for us to cover. We won't be there. I mean, we'll have Zach will probably go and cover the game. That's it. And everything else will be via Zoom. Unless it's Las Vegas, then I'm going. I'm not going to the game. I'm going to Las Vegas. You know, you'd, you're more likely to catch COVID if you go to Vegas mm-hmm. than if you just went to the Legion Stadium, and we're very safe. There's, there's no science behind it. I, you're okay. Not, you're not. You're not my personal Dr. Fauci. Nope. I don't believe you. Nope. I am not <laughs> going to listen to you. Yeah. I'm going to go to one of the most okay. high-risk places in the world to celebrate a bowl game. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Gills, let's let's get out of this. All right, ready for the last question of the podcast? This is it? 
This is it from Wildcat Pilot 88. If if you were told six months ago Oklahoma would be tied with KU at this point in the season, what would be your reaction? Is OU really bad, or are there less miles to go in Lawrence? <laughs> uh, I would have oh. thought K State KU had won some games. You know they got they caught two teams. They played Tech and I don't know Baylor early, and they they beat them. I would have never imagined. Oklahoma being 0-2 in the conference. And I think they're going to be 0-3. I just got a feeling they're going to be 0-3. And and I'm going to laugh like that evil laugh, you know, like Dr. Evil. I'm just going to chortle if they're 0-3. Are we allowed to see the schedule before the season? Like just looking at the schedule? Because K-State and Iowa State aren't really terribly unrealistic teams for you to lose to in any given year, I guess, yeah. you know, based on the last couple of years. So, but then you put out, you know, KU played what? Baylor and Texas Tech? Is that right? No, they, they, I did, they I'm just, just saying, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, they played Oklahoma State. They played no. Oklahoma State and uh, <laughs> I who? I don't even know. West Virginia, maybe? Is that right? I don't know. KU in week, the first week in a Big 12 play was Baylor. Oh, okay, so. they played Baylor. Baylor and Oklahoma State, nah. I would have, I would have, if I would have seen the schedule. Oh, KU's own, KU's own two, OU's own two. What if, or if OU, they're tied on tied on record? Yeah. What if OU ends up with a losing record in conference play? I'm just gonna laugh. <laughs> it's not I'd, gonna happen. Well, if they lose next week, they gotta go. What four and two? <laughs> I mean. No, if they lose next just, week. They got to go five and one not to have a losing record. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yep. Yeah, you are right. They can't just go four and two. They got to go five and one if they lose next week. Oh, you got to think they're mailing the. They're licking the stamp and mailing it right. Oh man, that stamp is licked. <laughs> if they lose next week, which is not safe in this COVID nineteen environment, you shouldn't be licking your stamps. I'm not it sure what you're supposed stick. to do. Maybe, like, just use the sweat of your brow. Or just put the stamp. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's it for this week's Powercat Questions podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We had fun. Zach closed his blinds behind him. It was helpful. Gills, Gills is uh, in his little studio place, and that's always helpful. And I'm here with Wrestling Dogs. Maybe that would be another podcast I can create, the Wrestling Dogs podcast. <laughs> and I will just talk about stuff with the dogs wrestling in the background. It's going to be disappointing when it's not a pro wrestling podcast. <laughs> You'll lose a lot of listeners finding that one. It's just some guy talking about the weather while dogs bark. That's not this podcast. That's another podcast. And boy, is that one going to be a hit. We'll talk to you next week on this podcast. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 